I'll be honest with you. God has done a miracle in my heart and life. It's a miracle that I'm standing here. I'm going to tell you my story today. I'm going to tell it to you through a Bible character. And at the end of this message, God helping me and God, God, God leading me, I'm going to give you a little bit of my personal story. But it's not my story that makes the difference. It's the Word of God that makes the difference. And I want to encourage you today to think about nobody but yourself. What is God wanting to say to you? You know, the Lord is alive and well. And He's trying to speak to us today. And we're asking God to use His Word in a mighty, mighty way. The emphasis today is battling your emotions. Specifically depression. I've been there. You're going to hear about it today. But it's not a message to make you, to make you depressed as you leave. No. It's there's hope and there's victory over it. We're asking God to touch this in a great way. If, if you'll find your place in the book of 1 Kings chapter 19. The book of 1 Kings chapter 19. I want to begin our reading in verse number 1. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse number 1. If you call this church your church home, I hope you realize what a blessing you have to be here. Amen. And your dear pastor, God bless him. I tell you, when I grow up, I want to be just like him. You know what I mean? I don't want to be like Dave. I want to be the opposite of Dave, all right? <laughs> they know you well up here, brother. That's good. If y'all would like to hear some personal stories, you come to me afterwards. I'll be happy to sell them to you, okay? We traveling evangelists, we try to get money any way we can, you know what I mean? So I'll sell those stories. I'm kidding with you. First Kings chapter, chapter number 19, verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all, all that Elijah had done, with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. In other words, she's threatening his life. When he saw that, he arose and went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree. He requested for himself that he might die. And he said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Here he is. He's just come off of this great, this great victory in chapter 18 where he's called fire down from, from, from heaven. And then one woman threatens his life, and he runs away and gets under a juniper tree. And he asks God to kill him. And today I want to give my story by giving this story, and I've entitled it, Depressed and wanting to die. Depressed and wanting to die. Let's pray. To, aren't you glad you came to church today? I mean, isn't that, isn't that an encouraging title? I mean, that's a wonderful, encouraging title right there, isn't it? Let's pray together. Father, would you help us today? Help me to share what you've put on my heart. And may there not be one thing that's said that's displeasing to you. Help me to say everything that that you want me to say, and not one thing you don't. Thy will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to do a Bible study with you and apply this as we go through. In chapter 18 of this same book in 1 Kings is the great victory that God wrought through Elijah on Mount Carmel. 
It was there in chapter 18 that Elijah called down fire from heaven and the Lord God of heaven was glorified. But you know it's interesting that right after this great event we see Elijah running for his life. He ends up under a juniper tree and he's requesting, he's wanting to die. There's no doubt he's discouraged. No doubt he's depressed. You know as a side note, one has said depression is right around the corner after a long struggle or a large victory. It's been said that Winston Churchill often fell into moods of depression. He called it a black dog that followed him around just nipping at his heels. William Cowper, who wrote many hymns, including There's a Fountain Filled with Blood, he dealt with severe depression. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, a great, wonderful preacher, dealt a lot with depression. Many years ago, a young Midwestern lawyer suffered such deep depression that his friends thought it wise to keep all the knives and razors from him. And during this time, he wrote, I am now the most miserable man living. Whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell. He was wrong. He did recover and went on, and went on to become one of America's most loved presidents, Abraham Lincoln. You know, depression is real. And it can hit anybody at any time. Whether you're saved and you know the Lord or whether you're not. It's been called anger turned inward. It's been said disappointment is an emotional response to some failed expectation or some desire that we have. And the reason I bring up disappointment is if disappointment is not handled or dealt with, it can easily turn into what uh, Elijah was experiencing here, that of depression. It's been said that depression can result in inability to sleep. I've been there. Living in the good old days and even blaming God, and I've been there too. It's been called a hollow or low place, low spirits, a dejection, a period of much unemployment. Some of the synonyms of depression would be words like sorrow, gloom, despair, discouragement, distress, bleakness, and oppression. John R. Rice asked a man how he was doing, and the man said, well, pretty well under the circumstances. And John R. Rice said, well, what are you doing under there anyway? There's no doubt that Elijah was sitting under the juniper tree here, under his circumstances. And it was a juniper tree of discouragement and depression. And he was so depressed at this time that he asked God to kill him. Now what I want to do in this service is I just want to put Elijah, this man of God, this mighty... Now I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not likening myself to Elijah. Please don't misunderstand but I'm simply trying to say this. I'm trying to encourage you today, believe it or not, that if, that if Elijah can get depressed, so can you. And I'm saying to you that there's help in the midst of sorrow. Just stay with me now. Just stay with me. It takes me about two hours to get there. Okay, I'm kidding with you on that, all right? <laughs> Let's look at several things here, and then I want to bring this to, to a head by giving you part of my story at the end. The first thing I want you to notice with me is the reasons for Elijah's depression. Why did he get this way? We find the answers to this in the first five verses. Now, when we think of this mighty man, Elijah, that God has just used in the previous chapter in such a wonderful way, the question comes to mind, why did he get depressed like this? Why did he get to the point to where he just wanted to die. I want to give you three things here. First of all, he got there. The first reason was his fear. 
Now, I already read this, but in, but in the opening three verses, you can read that if you want to, if you choose to while I'm explaining it. After the great victory on Mount Carmel, wicked Jezebel hears about the news. And she sends a messenger to Elijah to try and intimidate him and calls him to fear and run away. Now, this seemed to be an empty threat from this ungodly lady, but get this. The chapter before, just one chapter before, this man of God is acting in great faith. But now he's reacting in fear. He's afraid. When he should have been facing this situation with faith, he gave in to his fear. Now, folks, listen to me because I'm going to kind of be going rapidly here because I'm trying to get to my story. You know, in the same way, there are messengers of Satan all the time. There's bad news coming all the time. It's called life. That's what it's called. And if we're not careful, whether it be a physical problem, which is how mine began, whether it be a physical problem, whether it be an emotional problem, whether it be a mental problem, whatever the case may be, the bad news, if we're not careful, can cause fear to start swelling up inside of our bosoms. Fear to start swelling up. Instead of believing God, we begin to give in to the fear around us. Now, you know as well as I do that there's some scary things on planet Earth. There's some things, if you're not careful, will make you afraid. And that's what's happening to the mighty prophet Elijah. He's afraid. His fear was one of the reasons for this depression. Number two, his focus. We see this in verse number three. Notice the language here. It says, and when he saw that, when he saw that, when he saw what? When he saw what Jezebel was threatening him with. See, in the previous chapter, he had his eyes on the God of heaven, remember? And he won a great victory over hundreds of people. But now he has his eyes on this ungodly message, the messenger of Satan, so to speak, and he runs from one woman. Get this, due to his wrong focus, he's looking this way now instead of this way. Are you with me? He's looking at his circumstances, in other words, and due to his wrong focus, he overestimated the seriousness of the problem. See, where his eyes were looking caused his fear that he was feeling, and it helped sink him into this depression that he was in. You know, folks, in the same way, if we focus our eyes and attention on the wickedness and on the uncertainties and on the circumstances in our lives that are unfavorable, we also will sink into depression. But if we keep our eyes on the Lord, something I did not do in my own story for, for, for at least a little while, if we keep our eyes on the Lord, those things that seem huge will shrink in size compared to our great God. You know what I've learned on my story? And, I, and I, I'm not, I've not told you about it yet. Let me just go ahead and tell you some tidbits here. Here's one thing I've learned. I don't care what you're going through. God is bigger than that. He's bigger than that. I've learned that. See, here's what I'm saying. If my hand is a problem... I'm saying that's my circumstance, whether it's a physical problem, a financial problem, an emotional problem, whatever it is, the storms of life. You understand what I'm saying to you? Something that, 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 listen, if you focus on it, you will be depressed. Are you with me? If I focus on my hand because that's what's causing me problems, it looks huge. Look how big that thing is. I mean, look at that. I mean, I can, I'm focused on it. I'm focused on all the crevices and all these other kind of things. I'm, I'm looking at it. But folks, as soon as I take my eyes upward, it's no longer in focus. 
It's still there, but I can't see it the way I used to. And the higher I lift my eyes, the more out of focus it is. And then finally, it's still there, but I can't even see it anymore. Are you listening? This is what we see about Elijah. He was focused here. And because of that, he's now under a juniper tree saying, God, just kill me. The third reason that he's under that juniper tree, depressed and wanting to die, not only his fear, his focus, but his fatigue. He was tired. You see this in verse 4 where it says, He went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under the juniper tree. In verse number 5, we see this, And he lay and slept under a juniper tree. He fell asleep. You know what this tells me? He was worn out. Folks, keep in mind the chapter before. He was truly exhausted at this time. And keep in mind the jam-packed day he just had in chapter 18. There's no doubt he was tired in his mind and he was tired in his body. And folks, this is when depression took a hold of this prophet of God. You know, listen to me now. It's been said that one of the triggers of depression is lack of sleep. Vince Lombardi said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. One needs to be careful when you're tired and exhausted. You know that's a, hey, that's a Bible principle. When you're tired and you're exhausted, you're overworked, or maybe you're dealing with a sickness that's just beaten the daylights out of you, like what the Apostle Paul said, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. You know what that word buffet means? Old southern term here. It means to beat the daylights out of. That's what it means. In other words, the messenger of Satan was beating the daylights out of him and wearing him out. And I'm telling you that when that happens and you find yourself tired, exhausted, worn out, watch out. Because that's when it hit Elijah. The reasons? His fear, his focus, his fatigue. Number two, the results of this depression. Now we're going to move into some other verses here. But when Elijah gave in to his fear... By focusing on the message instead of his master, it led to some things in his life. Let me give you some things that resulted because he ended up under this juniper tree with his focus in the wrong place. He was tired and exhausted, and he was afraid for his life. Let me tell you what happened to him. Number one under this, the first result was departure. He departed some things from some things. This is found in verses 3 and 4. We see in these verses that Elijah left the place where he was supposed to be. Instead of him staying put by faith in God, he departed and he isolated himself from, even from his servant, the Bible says. You know, when a person is dealing with depression, many times they will depart from the people and places that the Lord wants them to maintain contact with and they will isolate themselves to sit under a spiritual juniper tree. They isolate themselves. It's one of the worst things you can do when you're depressed. I've learned that. One woman struggling with depression said, I just don't feel like getting up and going to church anymore. Neither did I. And I'm simply telling you that the devil will fight against the things that will bring you out. Now stay with me here, folks. I'm going somewhere. You say, well, then shut your mouth and get there. I'm trying to, okay? Another lady dealing with depression said, I believe wholeheartedly where I made my first mistake 
was to ever think that not staying in church was an option. My friends, if you're struggling with depression, don't go off into isolation. Don't do it. Surround yourself with godly Christians who can help you through your time of struggle. Martin Luther, who wrote on depression, said, Avoid being alone and seek help from others. Listen to this. Predators hunt lone animals. Did you hear what I just said? Predators hunt lone animals. They look for somebody that's alone and they'll target them. The Bible tells us to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And he's looking for lonely people. People who isolate themselves because they feel alone. So, they, so basically what they're doing, they're just being true to their feelings. They feel alone, so they just make themselves alone. And by doing that, they are making themselves prime targets for the wicked one. Departure. This is one of his results. He got away from the people and place that God wanted him to be with here. Number two, despondency. Verse number four. Notice in this verse, this great prophet who just one chapter previous is calling down fire from heaven is now asking, God, just kill me, God. Let me tell you why. Because he's hopeless here. He's completely hopeless. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been so down and so out and so depressed and so distraught and so discouraged that you feel like there's no way out? That's where I was. And I'm telling you, it's a lie from the devil is what it is. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred maketh the heart sick. See, those who live in depression feel completely hopeless. They feel that there's no answer, no hope of escape, and they feel they would rather die as live. Maybe you've never been there. If you haven't, you ought to get on your face and thank God. But if you have, you're not alone. Elijah was there. Elijah said, God, I'm no better than my fathers. Who am I? Just take me on. Just kill me. What, how did he get to that point? We're looking at this. It led him to departure. He got away from things he should never get away from. It led him to despondency. He was completely hopeless. Just take me out. I mean, there's no hope for me. It's over, God. Number three, delusion. This is found in verses 10 and 14. Look at this. And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. Verse 10. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. Was that true? No, it's not. He's delusional here. Verse number 14, he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord. And he, and he basically says the same thing, the latter phrase, and I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. We see him telling God, he said, I'm the only one, God. I'm the only one left that's trying to do something for you. He was feeling all alone that no one else was taking a stand. And we see here his great power turning to great paranoia. That's what happened. Let me tell you one thing that happened through, through my journey. You'll hear about it in about an hour and a half from now. But anyway, <laughs> one, one, one of the things that hit me was paranoia. Things that wasn't true. But I was convinced they were. He's convinced here it's over. And he's convinced he really was the only one who's trying to live for God. He's just delusional here. 
People who are depressed start thinking and dwelling on things that are just not true. They're just not true. Then a a fourth result is he got defensive, defensiveness. We see this in verses 10 and 14, those same verses. He's getting defensive with the tender dealing of the Lord. He's making excuses and saying he's the only one. You ever ever dealt with a depressed person who get very defensive? They try to make you think they have a right to be depressed? Well, you've just not gone through what I've gone through. Well, you don't understand because you've never been there. Listen, if what happened to me would happen to you, you'd be depressed too. That's what's happening here. He's defensive. Those are the results. Third thing I see here is I see the remedy. In other words, what did God do to help this servant of his come out? What happened here? I see this in verses 4 through 18. Now, thus far, we've seen just a brief overview of the depression that Elijah dealt with. I'm just doing a Bible study here with you about this Bible character. And now we turn our attention to the remedy for Elijah's depression. In other words, what happened that helped him come out? Let me say this remedy still works today. Now, folks, give me your attention. This remedy for Elijah's depression can be summarized in one phrase. And I'm going to give you some things here. It was an encounter with God. That's it. That's it. In our text, we see Elijah speaking to the Lord and the Lord meeting him and dealing with his depression. Now, in this encounter that he had with God, there's several things we see that took place. First of all, under this, it was refreshment. Look at verse number 5. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. You know, it's interesting that when Elijah was asleep under the juniper tree, the Lord uh, had an angel touch him and tell him, What are you doing here? Is that what it says? No. You know what he did? You know the first thing the Lord did, did for his servant? He fed him a good meal. I'm looking forward to that after this service. Amen. In verse number 6, we see he's fed and given water to drink. He lays back down again and gets some sleep. The angel then comes a second time, touches him again, and has him eat again. I like that, don't you, Brother Dave? Just eat and eat again. You know, sleep and eat, all that kind of stuff. Now, I'm not telling you just sleep and eat. That, that's, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is this, we see that, we see Elijah's encounter with God gave him refreshment. It's interesting to recall how the Lord cared for him with a raven earlier, remember? But when he's depressed, he sent an angel. Amen. A man asked his niece who was a doctor, he said, what do you do when depressed people who have attempted suicide are brought into the emergency room? She surprised him when she said, well, sometimes the first thing we do is feed them. Often a steak dinner. Because they're generally low in protein. And we often discover that they have not eaten properly for two or three days. Their protein level is very low. Therefore, their energy level is low and their depression level is high. You know what the moral of that story is? Eat a big steak. Now, I'm kidding with you on that, okay? 
I'm telling you this. You may tell you what happened to me when I went into depression. I lost my appetite. I didn't want to eat. I couldn't hardly sleep. And guess what happened? I became suicidal. I didn't try anything. Thank God for that. But it went through my mind. I'll tell you more about that later. One man said he didn't care for his health. And he died before he was 30 years of age. On his deathbed, he said, this is Robert Murray McShane. He said, God gave me a message to deliver and a horse to ride. He said, now I've killed the horse and cannot deliver the message. In other words, your health can affect your emotions. And be careful that you maintain right sleep and you eat right, all these other kind of things. Because that can affect your spiritual being. It really can. Your mental being, your emotional being. We need to understand that there do come times in our lives. Here's what I'm trying to get across here. Refreshment. There do come times in our lives when it's good just to come apart and rest a while. An encounter with God can give the rest you need. The Lord tenderly supplied what Elijah needed for needed strength. Mark chapter 6 verse 31 says, And he said unto them, Come yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Here's, here's the point I'm trying to make under this one. Just refreshment. An encounter with God will, will refresh you. He'll give you strength. He will feed you. This is spiritual too, but, but even physical. He, I, I, I'm talking about sustenance. He will sustain you. He'll give your body rest. Folks, I'm telling you, I'm learning these things that when you are run down and you do not rest, you're very liable to become very depressed. You start not eating right. You start not sleeping right. And I'm telling you, before long, you find yourself under that juniper tree and you don't want anything else except, listen, my life's over. Just kill me, God. Refreshment. Number two, rebuke. This is found in verses 9 to 13. I'm not going to read that. But notice the question that God asked Elijah twice. He said, what doest thou here, Elijah? What are you doing here? As we consider this question, we see that this is a question of rebuke. Notice he asked Elijah what he's doing here. What are you doing here? See, Elijah was supposed to be the prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel, and yet he ran away to the desert, you see. Someone said over the years, I've found that discouraged people are almost always out of position. They're living in a place of pity instead of praise, a place of worry instead of work, a place of fear instead of faith. Boy, how true is that? Revelation 3, 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. He is rebuking his servant. Hey, you have an encounter with God. He's going to refresh you, but he is also going to rebuke you. He's going to say, why are you here? You know you shouldn't be here. Amen. I knew I shouldn't be under that tree when I was. And he lovingly rebukes. Third thing he did is he helped him return. This is found in verses 15 to 17. It's interesting, even after Elijah answered the same way in verse 14, the Lord lovingly and mercifully told him to return on his way. This is verses 15 to 17. He said, I want you to go on your way. There's more work to be done. Somebody needed to give the truth. 
prophets needed to be trained. A leader needed to be appointed. His replacement needed to be selected. That's all in verses 15 to 17. The point here is even though Elijah was dealing with depression, he was depressed, he didn't feel like it, he wanted to die, God gave him something else to do. Now, folks, this this right here is a great thought. Could it be that God was teaching his servant? I know you're hurting. I know you're struggling. I know, I know right now your mind is twisted. You are discouraged. You are defeated. You are depressed. You're wanting to die. I get all of that. But my purpose, God's purpose, is bigger than Elijah's problems. And he's saying, I have a work for you to do. I don't care how you feel. Get up and get busy doing something for God. Here's one thing I learned in my journey. There came a time when I thought it was over. I'm done. If I get back in the pulpit, God's going to kill me. See, I was twisted in my mind. And God brought me to the point where he said, listen, I called you to preach. Get back to preaching whether you feel like it or not. And behind the pulpit, like he's doing now, it's like a bomb in my soul. It's like it's healing me. That's what it's doing. Because the devil was trying to fight me to get out of the pulpit. And God's saying, son, I know you don't feel all that good. I know the sun is shining again, but it's not completely clear skies. Don't wait for completely clear skies. It may never be completely clear. You just get up and go and serve God and I'll help you. And that's what he's been doing for me. Get up and get back to what God wants you to do. Don't quit on God. Don't, 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 don't just sit down and quit. Hey, I, I, I did that for several months. I stopped preaching. I preached my last sermon at, 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 at Buffalo Ridge Baptist Church. I preached my last sermon in, on Easter Sunday. I didn't preach again until December. Because I was under the juniper tree, you see. Sucking my thumb thinking life was over get back to what God wants you to do even if you don't feel like it do it anyway that's what he tells Elijah here then he gives some reminders here I'm just about done you're about halfway there okay I'm I'm, I'm kidding let me just give you some reminders here and then I'm just going to summarize my story and I'll be done in this encounter with God God gave him some refreshment God rebuked him. Why are you here, Elijah? You know better. He helped him return to where he wanted him to be. But then he reminded him of some things. Man, are these things so true? Wow. There's three of them he gives. I want to give them to you. Number one, he reminded him in verse number seven. Notice it here. The last phrase. This, this, this right here, the angel of the Lord came and he said, the journey's too great for thee. That's reminder number one. The journey's too great for thee, Elijah. You know what the Lord's telling him? You can't do this, son. I'm the only one who can help you. See, the Lord wanted Elijah to know that he was not sufficient in himself to go forward. In other words, without the sustenance provided from, by the Lord... This would have been the end for Elijah. Are you listening? If God did not send an angel, it was over. Elijah was done. He was hopeless. He he had given up. But God sent an angel. Because when Elijah 
thought everything was finished. God was not done yet. And God sent an angel to remind him, you cannot do this alone. Depression's too big for us, friends. Somebody says, you just need to believe God. Are you listening to me? Somebody says that has never been depressed to the point that I've been depressed. That didn't help me. Not that I heard that, but that wouldn't help me. You just need to believe God. You're just like a fact. You just need to believe God. I look at somebody like that and say, and you, sir, don't understand what you're talking about. Is what they're saying true? Yes. We do need to believe in God. But sometimes we find ourselves emotionally just sitting under a juniper tree. We honestly are convinced that it's over. It's finished. There's no more hope. I'm done. Stick a fork in me. I'm finished. And at that time is when God can work. I've told my wife and told my son through this. And I'm saying some things I'm going to repeat here in a minute. But I told my wife and told my son where I was. And where I am, only God could do that. Amen. Only God. Amen. There's no question about that. And I'm telling you, he's reminding Elijah the same thing. The journey's too great for you, Elijah. You need me. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. John 15.5, without me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. Let me tell you a good Greek word. You know what nothing means in the Greek there? It means nothing. That's what it means. <laughs> Number two reminder. Boy, this helps me. Verses 11 to 13. He reminded him that he's there and he's at work. Even if he can't see him. In verses 11 to 13, I'm not going to read that just for time's sake. But it's a beautiful thing that the Lord teaches Elijah. In these verses, it's brought out here. God told Elijah to stand upon the mountain before him. Get up on the mountain before me, he said. And he passed by. This, this is verses 11 to 13. A great and a strong wind came that rent the mountains. I mean, it just broke the mountains and broke the rocks. But the Bible says the Lord was not in that. After this, there was a great earthquake. But the Bible says the Lord wasn't in the earthquake either. After the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord wasn't in the fire. But then after the fire, there was a still small voice. In this scene, we see the Lord teaching Elijah a wonderful truth. I remember when I was going through my journey, I, I even got to the point where I told my wife, I don't need a still small voice. I need him to shout at me. I don't know if he's here. I don't know if he's gone. What in the world? What's going on? I need, I need something big. Are you listening to me? I never got anything big. And he brought me out anyway. You know what he taught me through this? Same thing he taught Elijah. He's always there. And he's always working, even if it's not in a visible manifestation. It's been said we feel sometimes if there's no whirlwind, no earthquake or fire, that God is not there. But He is there, always there. And He is at work, even when your emotions scream that He's not. Hebrews 13, 5, He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9, Deuteronomy 31, 6, Joshua 1, 9. All of these just talk about the Lord is with us if you're saved. 
Then a final reminder, and I'm getting, getting to my final thoughts here. The final thing you're reminded of is found in verse number 18, and that is this. You are not alone. You're not the only one, Elijah. Verse number 18, look at it. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which, 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 which hath not kissed him. What did Elijah think? What was his delusional thoughts? I'm the only one, God. Nobody else knows. Nobody else understands. Nobody else has been there like me. God says, you don't understand something, Elijah. Verse number 18, I have 7,000 more like you. You know one of the delusional thoughts that we, that we fall into whenever we become depressed? I'm the only one. Nobody understands. That came out of my mouth. Ask my wife. Actually, don't ask her because these are just things we, we want to forget. You know what I'm saying? Nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody understands this. Nobody's been this deep into it. And God's taught me some things with preachers that's been there. By the way, you don't understand. I didn't even understand. And I was one. What a preacher goes through. Right here, if anything else. I'm serious. I'm talking about sometimes depressed and, and discouraged and feeling like they want to quit. Think it's over. I'm saying to you, we're not alone. Others have been there before. Don't fall into that. Now, I'm on my conclusion, okay? I'm proving it to you. Right there says conclusion, all right? Right there it is. And I, I'm saying that, and then there's, there's, there's my handwritten notes just, just to share a little bit of my story, and I'm done. The threat that Elijah was experiencing was a real threat. Amen? Right. Jezebel did threaten him. But the real problem was how Elijah responded. His response was one of running, and he ended up depressed, asking the Lord to take his life. But we see the Lord came to him and tenderly dealt with him to get him where he needed to be. It's interesting that the Lord did not remove the source of depression at that time. Jezebel's still alive and the threat was still real. He didn't remove that. Just like sometimes he doesn't remove your circumstance either. He only met with his servant and dealt with him. Now remember the last time we see Elijah in the word of God is on the Mount of Transfiguration. Not under the juniper tree. You know what that tells me? He didn't stay under there. God brought him out. The devil once said, if I can drive a wedge of discouragement between a believer and his Lord, I win the victory every time. See, really depression is simply an attack on the goodness of God in our lives. That's what it is. Don't accept your depression as defeat, but as an opportunity to learn more about the power of God. I've learned more things about God going through this deep, dark valley than I've ever learned, I guess, any other way. Now, I've said all that to say this. I know I've given you a lot today. That was really a mini-series that I gave you. I know that. I understand that. But I said all that to say this. It happened to Elijah. It's happened to me. And it may be happening to you right now. And if it is, you're not alone. And if it is, and you know God, you know the Lord, you're, I mean, you've trusted Christ as your Savior, just hang on, friends. Somehow, some way, God's going to see you through. If you're not saved, you're not born again, you do not know the Lord. You need Him. Because, folks, even those who do not know the Lord go through depressing times. The difference is a child of God has God to help them. I can't explain to you what happened to me to bring me out. I don't know. I was reading the Bible, all these other kind of things. But I was getting condemnation because I was convinced I was lost. 
many, many months ago now, I was hit with what's called what I call the perfect storm. Began with a health scare, pain in my side. Still have that pain. And through that pain, I thought, I thought God was killing me. The devil started attacking my mind. And I started listening to that like Elijah listened to, it, to, to, to Jezebel. Come to find out that pain in my side caused them to do an early colonoscopy because I'm, I'm, I'm 42 years old. I was 41 at that time. And through that, they found something. I had, I had, I had surgery. They took, they took a foot of my colon out. And there was cancer in it. Are you listening to me? What I thought God was giving me to kill me, this had nothing to do with it. God used that pain to reveal that problem that I had and really save my life. You see what I'm saying? Because they told me, if you'd have waited till the normal age, 50, it would have probably been too late for you, sir. So what I thought God was doing to kill me, God in His grace touched my side. Hey, you're hurt right there. To cause, to cause them to do an early colonoscopy and save my life. But through that, I started going to this emotional down, down, downpour. Began to focus on my pain. Started losing focus of our God. During this time, I was hit with what seemed to be from all sides. The devil's hit me physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. A spiritual warfare like I'd never seen, never experienced before. I doubted my salvation. I doubted it. Bad. Thought I was lost. Thought God was finished with me, even having thoughts that if I preach, the Lord would kill me. Unbelievable attack. I felt all alone. Honestly, I felt all alone. I felt abandoned by God. It got so bad I had suicidal thoughts. Like I said before, I never attempted anything, but I, I, sure, I sure considered it. I told my wife during that time, I said, honey, I, said, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't trust myself. Keep my medication away from me. Get all this stuff away from me. There were nights I would go to sleep. Wondering if I would see the sunshine of another day. And sometimes I didn't want to. By the way. My wife is my hero. Spiritually, I'm talking about humanly speaking. She held on to me, the picture I have of my wife is she held on to God with one hand, held on to me as I was hanging by a thread with the other one, and she refused to let go of either one. I told her recently, I said, honey, you went to hell and back with me. She stuck by me and went to the bottom. She'd get up, and God give her promises, she'd write them on three by five cards. She'd post them on just Bible verses around the house. Because, see, I was getting, I was, I was so twisted and so, so mentally disturbed that, like I said, I thought I was the wicked. I thought I was going to die and burn in hell and all these other kinds. She just refused. She said, oh, that's not true. God give her a promise. She'd post it up. Some of them are still hanging around our house. Holding on to God. Holding on to her husband. And I'm telling you. Somewhere along the way, I, I don't know when it happened. I don't know because I'm, I'm reading the Bible. I'm praying. I'm seeking God. I'm not getting anything. It seems like God's voice is, it, it, I, I mean, just completely going silent on me. But somewhere along the way, somewhere along the journey, when I thought it was over, I've got right here in my notes, but God, but God, amazing God, wonderful God, gracious God, somehow, some way helped me through this. I'm telling you, he's been so patient with me. 
so kind to me. I don't deserve to be preaching anywhere, much less a church like this. He helped me see the devil was attacking me. and I needed to get up by faith. By faith, son, you get up and you go on. As I told my wife and son, just like I told you earlier, where I was and where I am, only God could have done that. One thing that God has laid on my heart is what Job said in Job chapter 42, verse 5. When he went through all, and I'm not Job either, friends, but I'm saying after he went through all that, all that, all that tr- trouble and so awful. You know the story of Job. When everything was said and done, God dealt with him. God brought him out. Here's what Job said. He said, I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. But now, mine eye seeth thee. And I thank God for the but now. Say, dear Lord, and I'm talking to him right now. I've preached about you for years. But through this terrible time. But now, after this horrific time, when I thought I would die, and I thought you were done with me, and I was listening to the lies of the devil, and you somehow in your grace, when he could have taken me out like that, and I would have deserved it. He looks in his amazing grace, and he says, I know you doubted me. I know you questioned me. I know you struggled, and I know you wanted to die. But son, I'm not finished. I'm a loving God. I'm a merciful God. I'm a loving God. I'm a kind God. And I want to show you who I really am. And I'm coming to the point. I've not arrived there yet, but I'm coming to the point. Where I can say, I didn't want to go through that. I wish I never went through that. But I'm coming to the point where I would not trade it. Because I've learned more of who God is than I've ever learned about Him before. I want to ask you a question today. I want to ask you a question. Are you struggling? Has life thrown a curveball to you? Have you felt like you've been punched in the gut? I'm talking about punched in the gut and you can't get your breath. Do you feel like you're sitting under the juniper tree? And you even have thoughts going through your mind. Maybe it's not this bad yet, but no doubt in the crowd this size, somebody, the Holy Spirit of God's looking at you and speaking to you and say, it's you, isn't it? It's got so bad that you're crossing your mind, I just might as well die. It's over. It's finished. There's no hope for me. Are you listening? There's only no hope. For those who do not have the Lord and refuse to accept Him. If you're here today and you do not know know Jesus as your Savior, what you need to do is ask the Lord to come into your heart, forgive your sin, and by faith trust Christ and Christ alone. If you die in your sin, you'll spend an eternity without hope. But God loved you so much that Jesus came and died for for your sin. He took your place. Shed his blood for your sin, sin atonement, your payment. And if you by faith will ask him to come into your heart, forgive your sin, 
and trust Christ. He'll save you today and give you hope that'll carry you through the storms of life. But if you are saved and you do know the Lord, you may be hurting. I preach today as a broken preacher. My heart is broken. I've been crushed. And I'm telling you, God can take your life, even if you're at the very bottom, and He can work a miracle. If He can do it for me, trust me, I know where I was. If He can do it for me, He can do it for you. Will you let Him? Will you let him? Don't give up on God. I thank God today that when I about gave up on him, do you understand that? That when I about gave up on him, he never gave up on me.